You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, buddy. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on a Tuesday afternoon. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette at 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, keeping things light and fun in the Delta Media Studios with my producer extraordinaire, Mr. Uptight himself. James Mesh. James, what's going on, buddy? What you mean, uptight? You just... You never like to have any fun. What do you mean? You just never like to have any fun. I literally laugh at you every time you talk. Right. Whenever I'm not talking. You laugh at me. Exactly. But that's that's you're Because you're funny. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely funny. I appreciate you noticing. To look at. (laughs) 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 Ha ha ha. But a... But um... Right, right. Okay. Do you want to have that? Do you? I think you do. Yeah, I think I... Hold on. Well, while he's, I was going to say talk real quick. While he's looking for that, we've got a great 90 minute show for you today on this Tuesday. The Astros play the Mets tonight. You can hear it here on the game. First pitch is at 6 10. Fromber Valdez taking the mound for the Strohs, while for the Mets, it will be Carlos Carrasco. 610 first pitch again, and you can listen to it right here on the game as we can see James found the sound. So congratulations, James. Anyways, Wimbledon started today. Serena Williams currently playing Harmony Tan. Tan took the first set 7-5. to five. However, Serena Williams responded 6-1 to one and currently leads the third set 5-4. to four. Some top stories, the Washington Commanders and wide receiver Terry McLaurin have agreed to a three-year, $71 million contract extension. James, that is massive numbers for a wide receiver. And I haven't even begun to mention the fact that there's a $28 million signing bonus (laughs) on top of that. Oh man! So that's huge. Three years, ninety-nine million. Let's say that. So thirty-three million a year, right? Uh, I thought the. I'm pretty sure the seventy-one includes. You're right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) It's just the fifty. You're right. I misread. Three. Fifty-three million is guaranteed. Forty-three. There you go. Forty-three million. There you go. Um. Yeah. Can't do math. You, your Celtics lost a key member of their coaching staff this afternoon. Yes, lost an assistant coach. He is now going to be the new head coach of the Utah Jazz, Mr. Will Hardy. A five-year deal with the Jazz. They also found a new assistant GM in Mr. David Fisdale. Freddie Freeman, the former Atlanta Brave star turned Los Angeles Dodgers player, has fired his representation after he was unhappy with the way his free agency negotiations went down. It was very obvious that he wanted to stay in Atlanta. Clearly that didn't happen. He is now a member of the LA Dodgers. 
Uh, so he has decided to move on from his negotiator, from his agency. As it stands now, Freeman represents himself. We'll see how that goes. Feels like that's a little late to little, make the little mate. late. If you wanted to stay in Atlanta, little fire late. the man, get somebody else, and still come up with a contract. Right, <laughs> little late. Uh, Baker Mayfield, when he was asked about the Browns, he has said that both sides have moved on. Hmm. Shocker. Baker, tell us something we didn't know, bud. We knew that already. Are you going to Seattle or Carolina? <laughs> you better be going somewhere because you're not going to play in Cleveland. But you see, that's that's interesting because so you're looking at the Browns dealing with a full year suspension of Deshaun Watson. Looks like it. Okay, so if I'm Baker... Wouldn't I say, hey, let's put our differences aside. I'll play one more year and then I'll, you know, hit the free agency market. Right? They need a quarterback. No, Baker's not their best option. Or or might not be their number one option, but it's gonna be their best option. Who's their third string quarterback? Jacoby Brissett. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So You want a full season of that guy? Well, no, looks like the Browns might have to do it. So if I if, if I was the Browns and I was Baker Mayfield, because he, here's the thing: if you're Baker, Carolina's not a 100. You're going to be the starter because they still have Sam Darnold. If you go to Seattle, you you would probably be the starter over Drew Locke. But you never know. Pete Carroll might just really like Drew Locke. Nothing's guaranteed at either one of those spots. However, if you go to Cleveland, or if you decide to stay in Cleveland one more year, you're the guy. Wouldn't you just suck it up for a year? Get playing time and then go somewhere else next year? When you might have a whole slew of teams that need a quarterback? That's just my thought process. In the NBA, Russell Westbrook opted into his $47.1 million player option with the Los Angeles Lakers. James, you think that had anything to do with the fact that Kyrie wasn't leaving? I think it had Because you, <laughs> you have to think that Russ was involved in the trade. In the package, right. Of course. So when Kyrie said, no, nah, I'm good. I'll stay in Brooklyn. Especially with the fact that the Lakers were the only team known to be seeking Kyrie right. in a sign-and-trade deal. Yeah, Ru- Russ had to be involved. Because you're not so, going to run Russ and Kyrie, especially with how much money it is. No, that's true. So Russ opts in, and John Wall announced that he and the Rockets have reached a buyout agreement. So he will now be a free agent and intends to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers when free agency opens. All right, James. Yes, it's been two, almost three years, two years, since John Walls played a game of basketball. John Wall, Kawhi, and Paul George. Do the Clippers automatically become a contender? When are we getting, when are we getting Kawhi back? I would presume he's coming back at the start of the season. but He, he would have to think. But I, I mean, thought he was going to play last year. The dude missed the whole year. 
but again, you know, think about think about this: John Wall, Kawhi, Paul George on the same team. That's scary to think about, especially since it's three guys that play completely different positions. Because, like, if you look at if you look at teams like when so are John, you so are you just gonna buy out or just release Reggie Jackson? Either that or because I don't see I don't see them moving him to the two. I mean, you got Paul George who's a ball handler. You got Kawhi who's a ball handler. You'd be getting John Wall as a ball handler. Unless Reggie Jackson comes off the bench. I, I feel like Reggie's made like that those strides to become a to be a consistent starter. So relegating him to backup. He's only get he would only be getting paid eleven million this season, but I don't know. If you're gonna go for John Wall, I can't see Reggie Jackson just well, maybe just, maybe you put Reggie Jackson on the trade market. See what you can get for him. I think that I wouldn't mind it because he's a player I like, and I feel like he would. I feel like he could pair well with Tatum and Brown in Boston. Yeah, hmm. I didn't think about that. So I think it'd be. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, that could work. That could work. Uh, definitely add another three point shooter to your arsenal. It would. It, it feel like it would maybe take the ball out of Smart's hands, which. It's good to have in his hands sometimes, but then the uh, then there are those times. So, according to a CBS Sports report, Kawhi is not restricted in his recovery from the torn ACL. However, there is still no timetable for his return, which is intriguing. Give us a call on the hotline, 706-0111, if you want to chime in to today's show. Here in Acadiana, as always, you can watch us on the Simulcast, Stadium 32.3, and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Poll question of the day up on Facebook and Twitter. What should the next Miguez versus Mesh Sports Challenge be? Washers, disc golf, potato sack race, Please, God, not that one. Or a taste test. You've seen those videos on social media where it's like the five different sodas and they're they're blindfolded and they sip it through a straw and they have to try and guess what it is. We'd basically do that. I think that could be pretty fun. So, once again, Facebook and Twitter. So far, Washers is in the lead 50% with Disc Golf and Potato Sack Race, each getting 25% of the vote. James, if you had a preference... What would your number one choice be? My preference would be washer toss. Okay, and I, why is that? I I don't play it often, but when I do play it, it's usually whenever I would have seen my papa or whenever I see my uncles, and we usually always play it at my grandparents' house. So, And we already have a set at my house, so it would be easy to play it. It's a different version than you having the three holes, Ours is a little different. It's a square box I'd shown you before, mm-hmm. and you put a PVC pipe in the middle, and the scoring, it's if your washer hits on the outside of the PVC pipe in the bigger area, it's one point. If it's leaning on the edges of the wood on the outside, but it's inside, it's two points. 
If it's flat inside the bucket, it's three points. If it's leaning on the inside, it's six points. And if you get it on the little, on the, uh, on the border, how it's elevated and it just, and it's just somehow on there, it's 10 points, but that's very convoluted scoring. It, it, it's and, very, and, and how many points do you need to win? 21, 21, but like, let's say I get three on the outside of the PVC pipe. It's three, it's three potential points for me. Okay. And let's say you get one inside the bucket flat and then get one on the outside. Like how I did with my three, you would, you would score four to three to me, so you would we would like take out three each, and you would just get one point. Right. So it works the same way as cornhole. You can cancel each other out. Yeah. Okay. Eh, that's interesting. That's interesting. All right. Let's talk about this. CBS Sports article ranking the top ten linebackers in the NFL. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it out to you, and you tell me how you feel. Number ten is Devondre Campbell from Green Bay. Huh. Not who I would put there. With 146 tackles, six quarterback hits, and two interceptions a year ago. And he had the second highest PFF grade of any linebacker. Number nine, Levante David. Yeah, underrated. Number eight, Devin White. Yeah. Number seven, Roquan Smith. No one really talks about Roquan, but I, I think he's a really good linebacker. Number six, Eric Kendricks. Okay. I mean, it's respectable. I, I feel like I'd have to look at the whole like all the whole group of linebackers in general. Right, right. Number five, Demario Davis. Yeah. Makes sense. Number four, Fred Warner. Fred Warner is a beast for the 49ers. He is. Number three, Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard at number three. So that's interesting because I'd have him. Maybe around six. Darius Leonard? Maybe, yeah. Oh, Where do you have him? At like two? Yeah. You have him at two? 163 tackles with seven sacks and two picks in his rookie season. And he's been to three straight Pro Bowls and he's been an all-pro linebacker every year he's been in the league. Like I said, I'd have to look, I'd have to look at like all the linebackers to see, but I, I think he's in the... The, I feel like more of the four to six range. Last season, he had 122 tackles, four interceptions, and he forced eight fumbles. And then his 91.1 PFF run defense grade was second among all defensive players last year. Second, Bobby Wagner. I don't know if Bobby's still that high. Bobby's good. Don't get me wrong. Say Bobby had a hundred and seventy tackles last season, and you just didn't know about it because he played for a mediocre Seattle team. Hundred seventy tackles is a big number. That's big. That is, I'll, I'll give him that. The only thing that sucks is he just doesn't get sacks. Right. Top linebacker, Micah Parsons. Micah was a. That's crazy to have a rookie be the number one after playing only one year. 84 combined tackles and he had 13 sacks. He told CBS Sports that 15 sacks is his minimum for 2022. Can you see that? 15 sacks from a linebacker? 
that seems like an awful lot. Granted, he did get 13 as a rookie, so what's two more? Right? Yeah. If he stays healthy. I expect him to only like improve. The fact that a rookie, though, like you said, is your top linebacker in the league is kind of crazy. I mean, again, hell of a year. But that just seems... See, to me, and this might be a little biased, I'd put Demario Davis a little bit higher. I'd put him at three or four. Darius Leonard would probably go to two. I don't know. There's so many good ones. There's so many good linebackers. Fred Warner, Darius Leonard, Bobby Wagner. That's hard. That is a hard list to try and put together. Only a 90-minute show today. We get out at 5.35. At 4.30, we'll do To the Moon with Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU. We'll talk about the Astros, their big weekend in New York. And tonight and tomorrow, still in New York, just on the other side of the city. They'll play the Mets tonight and tomorrow. And then at 5 o'clock, Daniel Gotro. He is a high school football referee. He will join us to discuss the shortage of high school football referees and how you can get involved. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up to watch one of the hottest teams in baseball. It's our Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. All you have to do is register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a time out right here when we return to Crunch Time with me, Gazem Mesh. James and I will look at the quarterback rooms for both Louisiana and LSU and give our predictions on who we think the starting quarterbacks should be. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon, he'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, football season is rapidly approaching. About two or so months away from opening weekend of college football. So let's start the predictions and opinions early. We're going to look at LSU's quarterback room first. We're going to talk about each player that is in the quarterback room, talk about what they can bring to the team and what they do well, and then you and I will each make a prediction on who we think the starting quarterback is going to be. So let's start, again, with LSU, and we're going to start with the Arizona State transfer, Mr. Jaden Daniels. So Jaden Daniels, again, Arizona State transfer. He is a grad transfer. In his time at Arizona State, he was proven to be a 
standout passer as well as an elite-level rusher. Last season, he threw for 2,380 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. And then on the ground, he also had the stats disappeared. Hold on. He had 300, he had 710 yards on the ground last year, six touchdowns in 138 carries. So good passer, good rusher. One thing that he has a problem with is in, in this past season was turnovers, and he was sacked 26 times last year. That is not ideal. However, he looks to be a guy that can bring a lot to this offense being LSU has, hasn't has had a quarterback that can throw and run in a very long time. I mean, Joe Burrow could run a little bit. He, he ran when you needed him to. But I'm, I'm talking like elusive running. Jordan Jefferson, the last one I could think of, that, that could do both passing and running as well as Jaden Daniels does. Looking further down, you've got Tavian Falk, a freshman from Karen Crow. Again, kind of the same dual threat type of guy. Can bring a lot of firepower to the offense. So, But he's only a redshirt freshman. I don't expect him to get a whole lot of touches here in year number one. Garrett Nussmeyer, one of the favorites, played a lot last year. Throws the ball. Some people have said he has the best arm out of anybody in that room. Throws the ball well, makes good decisions, played well in the bowl game. Nussmeyer was standout in the LSU spring game. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. So he's definitely got a shot at it. Walker Howard, we know what Walker can do, being from STM, one of the top quarterbacks in the country this past year. Again, had a good spring, showed up well at the spring game. However, hasn't played a single snap for LSU, so he's largely unproven in the college game. And then you have Miles Brennan, fifth-year senior. You've seen him before. He throws the ball well. He makes good decisions. But he doesn't know how to escape pressure. That has kind of been his his downside in his time at LSU. Fifth-year senior, spent a lot of last year injured. you got to think that he's in the mix. Miles Brennan... Again, Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be in that mix. And then Jaden Daniels, more than likely your three guys, if I had to guess, Walker, Howard, and Tavian Falk are both going to be red-shirted this season. Let's go to the hotline. Martin joins the show. Martin, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Uh, So with the signing of... uh... Arch Manning at Texas, I got to thinking, so didn't they ju- They have that other quarterback that transferred from Ohio State? Uh, how you say his last name? Rashada? You know who I'm talking about. Ewers or something like that? Oh, Quinn Ewers, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, so with him... With Arch Manning signing, one of those guys is going to end up hitting the transfer portal. I don't think it's going to be Arch Manning. Uh, man, just think if 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 uh, Coach, uh, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Napier, 
can get his hands on, on a quarterback like that and how good that can make Florida, man. I was just thinking, you know, I do a lot of thinking and everything. Because, like, man, if, if Horst Manning would have went to Florida, man, Napier, I mean, could have, could have, I mean, he could have done some damage with that guy quarterback. I was just thinking, man, just want to hear y'all, y'all opinion on that. But I think one of those guys, like I said, is going to end up hitting the transfer, transfer portal, uh, eventually because, uh, I mean, they, 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 they're not going to both just sit on the sidelines and hit the, uh, and hold the pit board. But, uh, that's all I have, man. And, uh, thanks for taking my call, buddy. Appreciate you, Martin. So, couple yeah. couple things there. I agree with you. Quinn Ewers and, and Arch Manning, one of them is not going to stay. I'm still on the boat, though, that Arch Manning only gave Texas a verbal commitment. There is still a lot of time between now and December when he's first eligible to sign a national letter of intent. That gives Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, maybe even Brian Kelly, the opportunity to go after this kid. I don't think that Arch Manning in Austin, Texas is 100% set in stone. However, if it is, I could see Quinn Ewers transferring. Will he go to Florida? Maybe. I think Billy Napier is really high on Anthony Richardson. I am too. I think Anthony Richardson's a hell of a quarterback. He's going to do great things under Billy Napier's offense. So that's an interesting way of looking at it. However, I could see Quinn Ewers going to a smaller yet still big program. You know, looking at a Oregon State or a you know, Michigan's kind of taken a step back in, in recent history. They had a good year this past year, but I could see Quinn Ewers fitting in well at Michigan couple other schools come to mind James going back to the LSU conversation though out of, out of those guys that we talked about Miles Brennan Garrett Nussmeyer Jaden Daniels give me a prediction who you got starting ah uh, my my initial gut feeling is leaning towards Miles Brennan starting really uh Brian Kelly he's done a 2B 2QB system before but he's also explained how he doesn't want to do it if he doesn't have to Jane Daniels can do a lot of things on the field, but I just feel like you almost give the edge to Miles Brennan because whenever he does play, he does have a little bit of trouble sensing pressure, but he does put up stats. And the only reason they were losing for the most part early on in that 2020 season, the defense is like they were scoring. It's just they, the defense just couldn't stop anybody from scoring themselves. That's true. That's true. I I see a two quarterback system. You see it. I, I see him splitting time between Brennan and Daniels, or maybe Brennan being the starter and Daniels comes in like Taysom Hill comes in in New Orleans. You know, in certain situations, you know, Daniels is just like maybe like maybe on a fourth down, it's like hey, we'll do a read option or or a goal line scenario or. Like a, I, like I a could, short like short yard situations yeah, where it's I, like okay I, I could see Jaden Daniels doing a lot of that for Brian Kelly, so that's intriguing. I still think long term it's Walker Howard's team. Oh no doubt. Ne- ne- I believe next season it'll be Walker Howard because Miles only came back for this one year. Yeah, I mean th- this is his last year. Yeah. he's a fifth year senior. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean 
Garrett Nussmeyer will likely transfer out as good as he is. You'll have Jaden Daniels, and then I still think it's Walker Howard's team in Baton Rouge starting next season. Take time out right here. When we return, let's do To the Moon with Apollo Dez here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking out. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Minkas and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Nash. Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU joins us for To the Moon Tuesdays. Dez, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. So let's talk about these Astros going to New York, taking two out of four from the supposed best team in the league. You know, after seeing that weekend, especially the the no-hitter on Saturday, you know, give, give me your thoughts on that series. Yeah, I think the series we saw we saw everything right uh, from the walk off to the no hitter to everything in between. Um, I, I think it was a great, um, great, great change in pace for the Ashes because of the teams they they have been playing. They got to play the you know supposedly best team in baseball and and really should have left with a sweat. And um, it feels like two got away from us, uh, but at the end of the day, that's baseball. And so. I think the big thing about uh, the weekend was just seeing the constant improvement from the staff and then the offense getting some really big hits. You know, the the no-hitter on Saturday with Christian Javier, Hector Neris, and Ryan Presley, it was just the second time in 64 years that the Yankees had been no-hit, and both of them came from the Houston Astros. I mean, just how sweet is that? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, uh, I think for the fan base and just the series itself, if you're, if you're on MLB Twitter or Astros Twitter, Yankees Twitter, it was it was kind of just a, this boiling point moment. And, you know, going into Sunday, it just felt like, you know, we kind of we kind of won the series with a no-hitter just because it was a big exclamation point. And then Jose Arquiti went out and, you know, had six, almost seven innings of no-hit ball the following day. So, um, it was great to see. Obviously, a combined no hitter isn't uh, cheered about enough, but anytime against the Yankees, I'm happy about it. Chatting with Apollo Dez here on To the Moon Tuesdays. So they're still in New York. They got two against the Mets tonight and tomorrow afternoon. The Mets lead the NL East with a 47 and 27 record. You know, on paper, seems like two evenly matched teams. What can you tell me about this matchup? Yeah, I think. Um, I think we see a, a younger lineup, right? Brantley's uh, to the IL, so Chaz is back, and uh, Pena's in the two-hole today. So I'm, I'm really excited to see this kind of lineup. I think it goes Altuve, Pena, Jordan, Bregman, then Tucker. Um, finally, we'll kind of see the, the the top of the lineup kind of, one, string hits together, but two, having Pena's bat up there is, is kind, of, kind of cool to see because he's been, you know, typically in that 7-8-9 hole and still producing at a really high level. I think 2.9 war is currently sitting at. So, um, excited to see that and uh, see some more success against really good teams. Obviously, the Astros are, are in the AL West, and the AL West is not very good this year. So anytime they can play against a, a perceived top team in the league, especially in the midweek, I think it's good. It keeps the boys sharp. That's a scary one through five. 
Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker. I mean, any one of those five guys has the ability to to take you 450 feet. Absolutely. I, I think I think the big thing is just the, the party never stops, right? Any time over the last five years, you, you could say that. So it's really cool to see. And then, you know, you talked about Chaz McCormick. I, I read a, a thing about him. You know, he got optioned down to Sugar Land whenever Jake Myers returned. And he was actually still in New York. He was going to fly back to Houston today when they called him and said that they were going to recall him back to the Astros because of Michael Brantley going to the IL. I mean, that's got to be a crazy 48 hours for Chaz McCormick. Oh, 100%. You know, he's a Northeast kid, so his family, I believe, was uh, at at the series this weekend, too. So a crazy 48 hours for him. Um, He's a friend of Apollo. I, I love talking to Chaz. He's a great human being. Um, and you know he's been producing. When it's been spot start for him, but when he's played, he's he's played a damn good center field and has hit the ball really consistently. So uh, I'm excited to see him back in there. Obviously, seeing Brantley go down and the discomfort word being thrown around by the Astros is never a good sign. Uh, but kind of just speaks of, on the depth that we've had on the on the outfield side of things. Chatting with Apollo Des here on To the Moon Tuesdays. Speaking of Michael Brantley. Was there a specific play over the weekend that he got injured, or do you think that this just kind of, you know, escalated and escalated to this point? Yeah, I, I haven't really been able to find out. Um, I've been trying to pinpoint it and, and see when it happened, and I, I haven't been able to, to see anything on that. So it's never a good thing, especially with his age and that right shoulder and the whole hitting thing. But at the end of the day, you know, we have a little surplus of outfield depth right now so getting getting Brantley Mike you know right and, and back in this lineup is the the key thing Jake Myers returning to the lineup as well over the weekend first time this season since he got hurt in the playoffs last year you know down the stretch of the season last year he was such a you know a um, what's the word I'm looking for an igniter for for this offense you know he really got the team going with with some big plays how important is it to have a guy like that back in the lineup Oh, I mean, it's, it's huge. I, I think uh, the front office has made it very clear how much they love this guy. Uh, all he does is rake. And um, I, I think I think the Astros fan base are, are going to come to love this guy a lot because, uh, one, it's hard to replace, you know, George Springer and, and, the, and the ghost of, you know, playoff George and all of that. But to have your front office trade the heir apparent Miles Straw um, to force this guy up, it's a huge thing, and you know, like you said, he's been a nighter all the way down the stretch. Had the freak uh, labrum tear, and now he's back. So I'm excited to get his feet wet, get some more um, reps, and you know, he'll he'll be important down this stretch as well. Chatting with Apollo Des here of Apollo Hou. So Christian Javier going seven innings of no hit baseball. Jose Urquidy as well over the weekend. The Astros are going to be faced with a problem here in a couple of weeks when Jake Odorizzi and Lance McCullers Jr. come back. I mean, who, who do you take out of this pitching route? And I know we've talked about this before, but but guys that we kind of said, oh, well, you know, they might go to Sugarland, they're stepping up their game here lately. So wh- where do the Astros go? Yeah, I think, um, I think a big thing from this past weekend was how great the Astros starting pitching was compared to the Yankees starting pitching, right? And the Astros bullpen compared to the Yankees bullpen. I felt like the Yankees bullpen was charting out guys that were throwing 100 mile per hour wiffle balls 
and really was a big factor down the stretch compared to ours. And so when you get a Lance McCullers back and a Jacob Rizzi and you have, you know, Jose Acredi who ditched his cutter and now his repertoire, he's been solved the last four starts. And Christian Javier is just, I don't know, he just throws this invisible ball up there that people just can't hit. Um, the surplus of starting pitching just may force these guys into the pin. And I don't know which ones you do because they all deserve to be in this rotation. And I think that helps us. I think anytime you have these guys that are, are not in the rotation but in the bullpen, they become big pieces. I mean, if you look at Colin McHugh, you look at Will Harris, you look at um, Christian Javier, you look at all these guys over the last you know three, four years that we've had, they've been guys that have been starters and, and they've forced the pin. So I think it helps us out because I think the big thing coming out of the Yankee series is the gap between our bullpen and theirs. And if we shore it up within, you know, not making a trade, but just our starting pitching surplus, I think it could be a, a unique thing because games can get a little short. Now, talking about pitching, staying on that subject, Justin Verlander coming back from Tommy John and having the year that he's having. I mean, leading the Cy Young race, nine wins, a 2.22 ERA, 84 strikeouts. I mean, have you ever seen a guy, and obviously I know the guys have come back from Tommy John and eventually won a Cy Young, but has there ever been a guy to come back from from Tommy John in his first year win a Cy Young? Uh, I I don't I don't know I don't believe so I I really feel like this is a Disney Channel or Disney movie that is this year of Justin Verlander it's truly remarkable to see um, not only is he performing this well he's holding his his heat late in the games he's throwing ninety six ninety seven late in the ball games at a hundred plus pitches late into you know the summer and so I think that's one of the most impressive things because okay. You know, the adrenaline coming back hasn't pitched in two years. So it's Tommy in the March and April starts. Like, I get that. I see that. But to be almost into July and he's still doing it, I just think this party's never going to end with Justin Verlander. He's the Tom Brady of Major League Baseball, I think. It's absolutely incredible to, to see what he's been able to do. You know, 38 years old, 39 years old, and coming back from, from Tommy John the way he has has just been absolutely incredible. All right, Des, tonight – Framber Valdez versus Carlos Carrasco on the bump. Who do you like in that matchup? And do you see the Astros getting it done tonight? Yeah, I see the Astros getting it done. Uh, Framber being Framber, um, I'm, think, I'm thinking about you know seven seven innings out of him would be great. Uh, keep the pin refreshed going into uh, the Yankee game Thursday, and then the Angels coming into town. Fantastic. Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU joining us for To the Moon Tuesdays. Appreciate you guys taking the time each and every Tuesday, my man. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Of course. Sounds good. Go Shros. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on with Miguez and Mesh. Welcome back. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes. How do a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in Cyprus buy you a $50 gift certificate to Hapshill Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen Sound? The only way to win these great prizes, you got to become a member of the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Free, simple, so sign up today. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 52 minutes after 4 o'clock here on your Tuesday afternoon. 
All right, James Mesh shares funny videos and and posts with me via the Instagram. And there's a page. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? I just uh, via the Instagram. I'm trying to sound proper, James. Anyways, there's a page on Instagram called NFL Parody, and they posted this. It says my stats prediction for Deshaun Watson this coming season: zero passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, that's pretty good. Zero percent completion percentage and a zero point zero quarterback rating. It's absolutely incredible. Hey, those to, to be able to have those numbers, those zero interceptions. Yeah, that, that's that's crisp. That's immaculate. It's pretty. It's pretty good. However, zero passing yards and zero touchdowns, not optimal. <laughs> hey, we got guaranteed money though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. You're you're right about that. Only going to get a million this year if he if he's suspended though. Can can Deshaun Watson continue his elaborate lifestyle on a million dollars? Yikes. Anyways, Avika Zubak and the Clippers have reached an agreement on a three-year, $33 million extension. Do you think that has anything to do with John Wall possibly coming to the Clippers? Zubak saying maybe he wants to hang around and see how that goes? James? Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I come back. <laughs> maybe maybe I come back. Oh, man. So, looking at the poll question of the day, what's going to be the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge? So far, Potato Sack Race is in the lead, 35.7%. 28.6% say Disc Golf. 21.4% say Washer Toss. And 14.3% say test, Taste Test. And we have a comment from Tan. I think disc golf, but you got to do it while a hurricane is brewing so the wind is swirling inland. Good Lord. Tan wants us to die. Do you know how brutal that would be? (laughs) (laughs) He said Tan wants us to die. (laughs) That would be, I mean, it'd be fun. Don't get me wrong. Oh, that'll, that'll, that'll perk you up. But Lord... Yeah, how insanely difficult that would be. So you read something earlier, James, about Jalen Brunson saying that both he and the Mavs think that he will be gone. And I I saw something that could contribute to the reason why. So according to multiple people, Jalen Brunson wants to be the point guard. He wants to operate the point. In Dallas, he plays alongside Luka Doncic, who's not a true point guard, but runs the point in Dallas. In New York, they need a point guard. So if Jalen goes to New York, he might be on a crappy team, but he could run the point. So I'm thinking that's what... Chase the money, chase the money. Yeah. According to multiple sources at this point it's widely anticipated that Jalen Brunson will go to the Knicks on a four-year deal in excess of a hundred million dollars it remains to be seen how New York will clear the rest of the necessary cap space and whether the Mavs can work a sign-in trade in order to recoup assets well if they're going to work a sign-in trade they got to hurry because the deadline for that is in like 24 hours so they they might want to hurry that that movement along 
hour number one coming to a close. Hour number two, Daniel Gotro will join us at 5 o'clock to talk about his time as a referee and what they are looking for for high school football. There's a shortage of referees at this time, and they are looking to get more. So he's going to provide information on how people can get involved in high school football refereeing. James Carter Young from Vandy coming to LSU baseball. It's another big move by Jay Johnson. Another infielder. Another infielder because they didn't have enough. Creates healthy competition, and we love that. Exactly. We love that. We love comp. Uh, Carter Young from Vandy, he committed. He transferred at about 11 o'clock last night, which made which made some media members not too happy since we're all old and go to bed early. <laughs> I mean, hey, I might only be 24 years old, but I go to bed at like 10 o'clock. Yeah, you're ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm tired. It, it's hard being me. Hour <laughs> number one in the books. 30 minutes to go here on Crunch Time with me, guys. A mess. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There is a family of sports officials here in Lafayette, that have made some of the biggest calls in the history of sports. And now, the son, Mr. Daniel Gotro, is looking for more high school officials to join the ranks. Let's bring in Daniel now. Daniel Gotro, thank you for taking the time, my friend. How are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. So let's start with, with your dad, Greg Gotro, spent years as an NFL referee, most notably making the, the correct call on San, Santonio Holmes' touchdown in Super Bowl Forty Three. I mean, growing up with, with your dad as an official, you know, just talk about that. How was that? Uh, well, you know, it was, it was something that um, you know, really, really uh, kind of inspired me to be an official, you know, uh, here in South Louisiana. Uh, many, many uh, kids, go hunting or fishing with their dad. Well, you know, I would, I would go to uh, high school football and basketball games throughout the area. And, uh, you know, growing up with him, traveling to the different sites, kind of watching him work, watching how he interacted, um, really at the high school level uh, was something that I thought, man, I really want to do. Uh, you know, it, he, he developed lifelong friendships, and, and I think those even grew as he, as he worked his way up with, uh, you know, 13 years uh, in Division One football, and then just wrapping up his his twentieth and final season in the NFL. And you know, it's it's kind of a, a crazy story because y- your dad started officiating basketball and then football, but most notably, he was doing baseball for the SEC. And then out of nowhere, somebody asked him if he wanted to move up to the NFL. I mean, that's just that's kind of that's kind of a crazy way to look at it. Sure. Well, you know, he um, uh, really football, I think, was kind of the, 
the third of of, of the major sports that he kind of got into. Um, you know, just like he said, he refereed uh, or he umpired baseball in the SEC. Uh, he also refereed Division One uh, men's and women's basketball. And then um, uh, in 1989, he was hired um, in in what was known as Sokoa, which was um, just a they they uh, handled all the independent schools, um, you know that that weren't part of a conference. It, it was USL at the time, Louisiana Tech, Tulane, Florida State, South Carolina, um, you know Cincinnati. And then when they formed Conference USA, he joined the the inaugural staff of Conference USA, and then he worked Division One football uh, up until 2001. Uh, when when he was hired in the NFL in 2002. Chat with Daniel Gotro here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So now you talked about how your dad, you know, influenced you to become a referee. Having worked the last two SEC championship games, you know, what was that like? That experience of getting to work such a high profile college football game. Um, well, you know, there re- really you while while they they aren't um, the the same. Um, you know, I mean. Uh, Every every game you work, you can kind of feel, um, you know, some maybe have a little bit more magnitude than the others. Um, you know, when you get out there, you want to just kind of treat it one snap at a time. I know it's kind of cliche, but that's really kind of how you have to approach it. And um, but you know, it, just like just like um, you know, all all games that that kind of have a little bit more um, you know intensity to them, you really have to kind of focus and 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 really work hard to just kind of stay in every play. Uh, focus on the next snap, the next snap. Um, but you know they're, they're exciting, and um, really, I'm, I'm, I've been very fortunate to uh, to work in the Southeastern Conference and and uh, with with you know games that really mean a lot uh, with you know in venues that are that are really historic in nature. Uh, so I, you know I've been I've been very fortunate for the last three seasons. So now you know we're looking at a, a shortage of referees in the high school ranks, especially here in Acadiana, you know, why do you think that is? Well, I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's really twofold. I think the first reason is, um, you know, we, we just don't have young, uh, you know, uh, uh, folks, um, that are, that are kind of, that, that are interested in, in, in officiating. Um, I, I think the, the guys and the girls that we're getting out are a little bit older in nature. And it's just like anything else. When you get an interview, individual who's maybe been a football fan for 10 to 15 years, they kind of have a thought process of, of kind of how it should go. Um, if you can get those individuals when they're younger, you can kind of maybe train them up a little bit easier. Um, you know, it, we kind of get stuck in our ways the older we get. So we're, we're not getting those young kids right out of high school that are, that are interested. And I'll be honest, you know, when kids grow up and, and when they're playing in these youth baseball or AAU basketball tournaments, there's kind of a negative light that's, 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 that's cast on officials at those ages. And I think when kids grow up around that type of environment where, where their coaches are tough on officials, where their, their parents are tough on officials, for, for, for 10, 12, 15 years, when they get out of playing, they, they kind of have to ask themselves, like, is that what I want to do? Do I want to get screamed at? Do I want to get yelled at? Do I want to get put in really difficult situations? And, and, and I think that's, that's a, so that's a byproduct now of maybe 10 to 15 years of that kind of negative attitudes towards sports officials. 
and when and and now we're seeing the effects of that down the road with with really a shortage of officials at all levels in all sports throughout the state of Louisiana. Yeah, that that's definitely a you know a necessary thing or or something that's happened a lot over the last couple of years, like you said. You know, just a negative connotation on on officiating in in younger sports. Chatting with Daniel Gotro here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So to to me, it seems like a, a good resolution would be you know to get into classrooms or to get in front of these younger individuals and you know explain to them the the benefits and the positives of sports officiating daniel how do you think we do that well so we we've actually started a program and, and so my father um he he's the assignment secretary for the high school football officials in the area and i actually assigned the, the high school basketball officials in the area so what we've done is we've reached out to high schools throughout the area and, and we've actually gone in and met with their, their, their graduating seniors um, and, and, and just talked to them about the positives of officiating. And, and, and I know, um, you know, guys, you know, it, it's easy to say, well, you know, uh, you know Greg Gotro's worked in the NFL or, and, 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 and you, know, you know, Daniel's worked in the, in the, in the Southeastern Conference. Or, I mean, this is my 14th year calling Division One football. You know, they might say, well, you know, it's easy for you to talk about how much you enjoy it. But whenever we started – you know, we started just as, you know, guys wanting to referee high school sports, guys wanting to stay involved, guys still wanting to compete, because that's really what officiating is. You know, you're competing every play to get the call right. So while, while we've, we've been very fortunate to reach high levels, we're still, you know, we didn't get in it for that. And, and, and I think to convey that to young people is very important. So we have, we have done that. Uh, we, we've gotten some interest from some younger from some younger officials to join. I think it's been a positive thing, but it's also important to get them, you know, into our, get them into our program, but then keep them in our program. And um, some of the things that the LHSA is doing is they're working to kind of cut the cost down for new officials, whether it's providing some, some money for them to buy uniforms um, to kind of lower their registration dues early on. So, you know, that we're in contact both with our local uh, uh, group of officials here and with the LHSA to kind of provide some benefits for these new incoming officials to, to not only get them to join, but also, but also to get them to, uh, to stick around and, and to continue to referee for, for, for multiple years. Now, if there's people that, that are interested or, you know, kind of on the fence, maybe they might be interested. How can they, you know, get more information about like training and, you know, the, the cost for equipment and, and things like that? Sure. So we actually start our, our local high school meetings. We, we start the Monday, the Monday after um, July 4th, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually pulling up the information right now. So we're going to start Monday, July 11th, and we meet um, uh, every Monday at the, um, the uh, LCA gym uh, right there off of Interstate 10, and um, we, you know, so my suggestion with them would be to show up at a meeting and, and you don't necessarily have to pay your dues, but usually if, if we can get young people or, or younger officials, and I say young people, younger in terms of experience, right? Um, you know, we, we can get them to a meeting and, and, and when they understand, especially if they played the game of football that, you know, 
we're talking about plays, and, and, and a lot of people find it interesting. So I would encourage them just to come to a meeting. You, you can show up at a meeting or you can show up at two meetings, and um, you, know, you don't have to pay anything just to sit in there and listen. If it's something that you're interested in, then maybe you can stick around. And, you know, right now we, you know, we do have a – I mean, last year we were in the neighborhood of 130 to 140 officials in the Lafayette area. So chances are, especially if you've been around the game for a while, there's going to be someone in that room that you know or that has refereed some of your games. And, and, and it's really a welcoming fraternity. Um, of, you know, uh, and, and, again, you have an opportunity to make friends, um, you know, that, that th- those friendships last outside of just officiating football. So, again, we meet every Monday, starting Monday, July 11th, at 6 p.m. at the Lafayette, uh, excuse me, yeah, well, at, at Lafayette Christian Academy. And I can actually, um, you know, give, give you guys off air uh, uh, my dad's email address, and, and then folks can reach out to, to him via email for, for more information. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Daniel Gotro joining us here on crunch time with Miguez and mesh Daniel we really appreciate you taking the time appreciate you you know your thought process into the world of officiating and uh, once again really appreciate your time sure thank you guys for the opportunity and if anybody's interested I'd encourage them to come out and and, and, and see what officiating in the Lafayette area has to offer absolutely Daniel really appreciate it thank you guys there he goes, Daniel Gotro. So again, Monday, July 11th at the Lafayette Christian Gym right there off of University and I-10. Looking at the poll question of the day, where or what should be the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge? So far, I, be- I do believe that Washer Toss is still winning. Potato Sack Race. Still winning, actually. 40%, 26.7% say disc golf, 20% say washers, and then 13% say taste test. And we got a couple of comments on the poll question. Caleb Broussard says beer pong? Yeah. Maybe maybe not beer, because it's not good. But, <laughs> I mean, you know... We we could figure something out there. Beer's beer's just not good. Man. <laughs> just just it's so, not good. Sober pong, sober pong. Yeah, we, we, could, call we it could cut pong. We could do that. Uh, since Matt likes hockey, why not air hockey? Yo, I could get behind that. I could get behind going to surge, playing some air hockey. I mean, where else you gotta play air hockey around here? Do you have an air hockey table at your house, James? I used to. Yeah, I did too as a kid. I had one of those like seven and one where you just like took yes. it off. Yeah, where you flipped the, the table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had the too. different layers. It mm-hmm. was like pool table, foosball, ping pong, air hockey. The finger flick football. Yeah. Um. Maybe maybe shuffleboard or like a modified version of shuffleboard. I didn't have that. Was only, on there? I don't I, remember. I only had the forward one but we it was like six games in one or something like that it was wild i had a great childhood i was gonna say say the the pool table was a little mini but still fun because because of that device in my living room i was the party spot of all my friends when i was a kid (laughs) 100 percent, 100 percent. all right we got a lot to still dive into here with only about 
15 minutes left in the show. We still haven't gone over the Cajuns quarterback room. We'll do that in the next segment. Again, can't stress this enough. Astros weekend getaway. July 30th, the Astros will take on the Seattle Mariners, and we want to help you be there to see one of the hottest teams in baseball. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and we're going to give you four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. And as always, the Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 6-10 first pitch tonight between the Astros and the Mets. Pre-game starts at 5-35 with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks, and you can hear it right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Take a timeout right here, and when we return, James and I will look at the Cajuns quarterback room. We'll give you some final thoughts on the Astros, and then we'll get you on your way. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 28, 1975, reigning PGA Championship winner Lee Trevino and playing partners Jerry Hurd, Bobby Nichols, Jim Ahern, and Tony Jacklin are struck by lightning at the Western Open. The group suffers minor burns. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 21 minutes after 5 o'clock. The Houston Astros, once again, playing tonight, 6-10 first pitch. Pre-game with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks, 535 right here on the game. The Cane Cutters return to Fabacher Field tonight to take on the Victoria Generals. Man, minor league ball and summer league and summer ball. Best mascots. Cane Cutters, the Bombers, the River Monsters, the Rougarou. I mean, James. How do you not want to wear one of those uniforms? The Savannah Bananas? I love the Rougarou name. Right. I love those. Right. Uh, And then, you know, you look at the minor league, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, the El Paso Chihuahuas. (laughs) Like... The the, Chihuahuas. The Akron Rubber Ducks. There's a minor league team where their mascot is a rubber duck. It's absolutely hysterical. Anyways, we talked earlier about LSU's quarterback room, and we we put our predictions on who we thought would be the guy. Now let's look at the Cajuns. You got seven quarterbacks on the roster. We'll start with Dale Martin. A redshirt freshman from North Vermilion has not made a single appearance for the Cajuns. Zeon Chris, the stud freshman from Madison Prep, enrolled early, did some good things in the spring game. What kind of impact can he make? 
Zy McDonald coming up on his second year with the program. Redshirt freshman out of Ridgeland, Mississippi. Dual threat guy who who can really do it all. Lance Lejean from Warren Easton, a Maryland transfer. He's listed as a redshirt sophomore. He's another guy can really do it all. Uh, he was he was on that Netflix show a couple years ago, QB1, Beyond the Lights, the one that had like Spencer Radler and, and Tate Martell. Uh, Lance Lejean was in was one of the seasons of that show. You got Hunter Herring, the, the stud redshirt freshman from Ouachita Christian, dual threat guy again. You know, his senior year at Ouachita Christian, I think he had 3,000 passing yards and 1,500 yards rushing. Like, just does it all. Chandler Fields is the favorite to land the job. The redshirt sophomore out of Rummel. Been with the program the longest. He's been the second string guy last year. Sat behind Levi Lewis. Learned the system. Learned the ins and outs. But then you got a guy like Ben Woolrich. Fresno State transfer. Redshirt junior. He's the oldest of the bunch. This is going to be his second year with the program. And man, you saw in the spring game his ability to never hesitate, tuck and run, and make things happen. Guy scored two touchdowns with his feet in the spring game. He saw the pocket collapse, never hesitated, took off, lowered his shoulder, made plays. There's a lot of guys in this room that I think could make an early impact. I had to make a prediction right now who was going to be the starter. I like Ben Woolrich. I like Ben Woolrich. No, that was going to be my pick. I mean, it I, can, wanted, it, I wanted us to be different. Okay, well then, <laughs> no, I, no, you go Ben since you had first pick. I'll, I was I was going back and forth between Ben and Chandler. There's a lot that I like about Chandler. Chandler, again, he knows the system very well. He makes great decisions. He throws the ball incredibly well. The thing that strikes me, and I know guys have proven time and time again that this doesn't necessarily matter if you run the correct offense, worries me that he's 5'10". That worries me. It's and how athletic can he be and escape the pocket when necessary? You know, can he get you those five yards on third and three when receivers are covered? Can can he make that play? Can he, you know, throw the ball away instead of taking a sack? Those kinds of things. That kind of worries me a little bit. So again, Ben Woolridge just seems like the guy that has those intangibles to figure it out and it also doesn't help doesn't hurt that he's 63215. No, it doesn't. I mean, and, and and you love when a quarterback is able to just make plays out of thin air. That's what you look for. Yep. If if you can make something out of nothing, you have a very good shot at starting. And then, you know, let's we, we're talking about guys that that have size. How about Hunter Herring at 64200? I mean, again, in, in high school, the guy played baseball, played football, and led his team in both offense, led him in both passing and rushing. 
when he was at a Washita Christian. I mean, this kid, he had 1794 as a junior passing yards, 1100 rushing yards, and 30 something touchdowns between the two. And then he was also the class 1A state offensive MVP, 25 rushing touchdowns, 27 passing as a junior. I mean, that is that is some gaudy numbers to to be coming out of a quarterback. I really like Hunter Herring. I think that he can be a guy for Louisiana. I don't know if he's the guy right now. He's only a redshirt freshman. You've got plenty of time to develop him and, and let him take the reins. That's what I love about this quarterback room. You've got Chandler Fields is a redshirt sophomore. Herring's a redshirt freshman. Lejean's a redshirt sophomore. McDonald's a redshirt freshman. Zeon's a true freshman. I mean, your oldest guy is a redshirt junior. Your oldest quarterback in the room still has two years of eligibility left. That's a positive if you're if you're Mike Desermo because now you can let guys like Zeon Chris take a redshirt this year, learn the system, and next year as a redshirt freshman, still having those four years of eligibility, he could make an impact. Lance Lejean, same thing. He can still make an impact being a redshirt sophomore. Hunter Herring's only a redshirt freshman, so he's got time to make an impact. I like the makeup of Louisiana's quarterback room. There's a lot of quarterbacks. You know, there's, I don't know how, how well you're going to be able to field seven quarterbacks, but there's a lot of talent, a lot of smarts, and just all around a lot to like about this group. Definitely looking forward to watching them play this season college football again about 70 or so days away from today September 3rd being the first game for Louisiana all right Houston Astros once again New York Mets tonight from Queens City Field first pitch 6-10 Framber Valdez 7 and 3 on the year with a 2.90 ERA a 1.13 whip. He's pitched 87 innings, 67 hits, 75 strikeouts. He's walked 31. And on the other side, Carlos Carrasco, 8-3 on the year, with a 4.42 ERA, a 1.29 whip, 77 and a third innings pitched, 82 hits, 77 Ks, and he's walked 18. James, how many games did the Astros win against the Mets? You got two today and tomorrow. Did you take both of them? Ooh, I think they went tonight for sure. The Mets are twenty four and ten at home. I'm leaning towards a split. Yeah. You see, I, I have it the other way. I think the I think the Astros drop tonight and then win, win tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Okay. That that's my thought process because tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, Verlander's on the mound tomorrow. Which you love yourself a JV day. I love JV day. JV gives you a chance to win. Uh, yeah, so Verlander is on the mound tomorrow. I, that's my thought. I'm I'm going. You but you but, but Fromber's been the one that's just been absolutely killing it on the mound in the middle of the week. One hundred percent, he has been. I think the Mets offense is just going to be too much. Polar Bear Pete. Pete Alonzo, he's going to get a couple. 
I think he's going to hit two home runs tonight. It is also worrisome seeing that Carlos Carrasco is eight and three as a pitcher so far this season. Carrasco's had a good year, so it it is a little worrisome. He has had a good year. Thursday they will go back to Minute Maid Park to play the Yankees again before hosting the Angels for a three-game set Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a four-game set at home against the Kansas City Royals. Eight straight home games coming up for the Houston Astros over the next week, week and a half. Looking at the poll question one last time before we get out of today's show where or what should be the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge Potato Sack Race still in the lead however Washer Toss coming around 26.3% for Washer Toss 21.1% for Disc Golf 21.1% for Taste Test and 31.6% for Potato Sack Race Ralph Bergeron says, how about curling? Not the ice sport, but curling your hair and see who wears it best. I don't have long enough hair to curl it. I couldn't do that very well. Now, James, on the other hand, James could curl his hair. And I, I'd, I'd actually be intrigued to see how that would come out. You want me to do like a perm? A perm? <laughs> James Mesh with a perm. That'd be interesting. That would be interesting. Ralph also said, why not cornhole? I mean, pretty similar to washer toss. Yeah, I just really enjoy washer toss. Similar similar concept. So either way, I'm good with it. Jeremy Pena batting two-hole tonight for the Strohs? That's a flex. That's a flex. I mean, l- listen to this one through five. Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker. Yikes. Speaking of the Houston Astros, they are up next. You're listening to the game. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We'll do it all again same time tomorrow, 4-6, to right here on The Game. The Houston Astros with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks are next. (laughs) 